Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again today and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be a part with us as we continue to teach the book of Hebrews. And I trust you're tuning in every week and you're getting something from these programs. If you are, please take time to write us or to, you can go uh, and, and simply to my website. There's a place where you can email us and we'd love to hear from you. Also, uh, you can go to my public profile on Facebook and, uh, and just follow us or hit the page and like it. And uh, it will also keep you up to date of where we're going to be uh, and meetings and so forth like that. We announce all that kind of stuff on our public profile, Lynn Hiles Ministry. So go there and hit the like button, follow us, and um, we, we, we appreciate that. Also, let me just say very quickly that if you have missed any of the series that I've done on Hebrews, I strongly encourage you to go back and watch them again or listen to them again, and you can get them for free on our YouTube page or on our iTunes podcast or a RSS feed for your Android device. The easiest and most simplest way to get any of that is by simply going to my website at lynnhiles.com, and the opening page will have a video. Uh, literally, it'll have the TV studio here, and if you tap on that, it'll take you directly to our YouTube page where you can go back and review in every program that we have aired to date. Up in the upper right-hand corner of our website, you will see icons like uh, an Android or an iTunes, and those are our podcasts. You can go simply by the, right there and click that, and it will take you to a direct link that will take you directly to those things, and you can at least listen to the audio portions of those, uh, uh, you know, of those of, of those things that we've made available to you at no charge. While you're there, there's all kinds of resources. We have all kinds of series available for instant download. We have CDs available. We have several books that are available. Uh, uh, we have uh, the books that I've, I've been talking about the last several weeks. Here we have the Revelation of Jesus Christ is available on there. The Unforced Rhythms of Grace is available. My newest book, From Law to Grace, is available there. And uh, you can simply order them through the website. You can also sign up for our Message of the Month Club, which is a monthly subscription that is $7 a month or $70 a year. And that is part of our partner base that helps us reach millions of people with the gospel via television and also our traveling ministry. You'll also see there on our website that there is an itinerary of places we will be preaching. We are coming to a city near you and we would love to meet you. A lot of times we are in some of the smaller venues and we have time and available to meet you after a service and to greet you, talk with you a few moments, and uh, we'd love to have you in one of our services. Come be with us somewhere uh, in the world while we're preaching. Let me get into the Word because I probably need to try to wrap up this chapter in this segment or at very least the next segment. <clears throat> with that being said, I want us to go back to the ninth chapter of the book of Hebrews and uh, we want to read it again and then we're going to pick up a little further down in this chapter. This particular, this particular segment, of, I'm sorry, I want to talk a little bit about his will and testament. It's in th then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. 
For there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and, showbread, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant. And over it, the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost this signifying, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing. That's, that's significant. The way into the most holy place was not yet made while the first tabernacle still stood. Let me tell you that when the book of Hebrews was written, this tabernacle was still standing, but within a few short years, that tabernacle would be absolutely destroyed and a new temple would come on the scene and the way into the most holy place would be accessed by every man because at this point they were making their way uh, through the holy place and had received the earnest or the down payment of their inheritance, but had not fully yet received. There was a salvation that was ready to be revealed in the last time, and that salvation that was ready to be revealed in the last time is not some future generation, as I shared with you in the last segment. The last time was not the last days, or uh, you know, what I talked about in the last days, men would give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, that the latter times that he was talking about in the book of Timothy was the last days of the Jewish age, if you will, or the Mosaic Covenant. The Old Covenant was coming to an end, and it was the last days of that. So while this first tabernacle was still standing, they're in a transition from one dimension to the next dimension, but he was about to open the way into the most holy place. Uh, now, let, let me say the verse number nine, said, which was a figure for the time then present, in which were both gifts and sacrifices offered that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. And we dealt with in one of our segments, having the conscience seared with a hot iron. We dealt with that in the last one. So we're not going to take time to deal with that again, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and cardinal ordinances and post on, on, on them until the time of reformation. The time of reformation was quickly coming upon them because this was the season when uh, it was a reformation and it was a transition from an old covenant to a new covenant. But Christ being come an high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered once into the holy place, having et obtained eternal redemption for us. For the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? We dealt with that in the last segment. For this cause He is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise 
of eternal inheritance. For a testament, for where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people, according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats and with scarlet water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God has enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of the things in the heavens should be purified with better things with, than these. But the heavenly themselves, I'm sorry, it was therefore necessary that the patterns of the things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered in the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God for us. Neither should, nor that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. Before I get on down into the latter part of that scripture, it said, I want to, I want to really put some emphasis on this. Verse 16, 15, for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator, for a testament is a force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. I wrote a play back some time ago that we performed in a youth camp. And in that play, I had it set up like a courtroom. Excuse me. And I had uh, someone playing the adversary of the devil who came into, and we had our cameras there rolling as if we were doing a news interview for a great big publicized trial. And Satan comes in and uh, the, the news crew begin to interview him and he says, I believe this is an open and shut case. Let's just say, we'll use John Doe for example. Uh, This is an open and shut case for John Doe. The letter of the law, and and I had my Bible in my hand, I said the letter of the law is on my side. And I'm going to throw the book at John Doe this morning. I want to say to you, that's what we do most of the time in our services every Sunday is we throw the book at people. We hit them with the laws of Moses and we indict them under an antiquated law. And it looks like when, the, when, when Satan came in, uh, he said, I'm going to throw, I'm the prosecuting attorney. I'm the accuser of the brethren, if you will. I'm the prosecutor. And I'm going to use the letter of the law against John Doe. When I walked in the courtroom, I was playing Jesus. It was my play. <laughs> and I said, well, I have faced this adversary in other courtrooms, and I've always won. I've never lost a case. And I said, my adversary, the devil, is prosecuting John Doe 
under an antiquated law, and he is not abreast of the new legislation. And so we entered on into the courtroom, and the court came into session, and my brother was playing God the judge, and the bailiff brings my client, John Doe, in, sets him down in chains. I've got him bound in chains, and he sits down beside of me, and uh, the courtroom opens, and the court case opens with the criminal charge, and he says, would you like to enter a plea? And I leaned over to my client, John Doe, and I said to him, stand up and say, I want to plead the blood of Jesus. That's my plea. And then sat back down. So John Doe stood up. He said, I plead the blood of Jesus. The judge said, would you like to enter confession? And I said to my client, I want you to stand up and say, I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, and I believe God raised him from the dead and sat back down and tell him that's your confession. Hallelujah. I feel like preaching here today. And so he did. What I did next was uh, the prosecutor begins his case. And I, I went through all the scriptures <clears throat> and I was looking at, uh, you know, all the laws of Moses and how that the laws of Moses, I, not just the ones that are the big 10, excuse me, but a lot of stuff that's in the law. And I started going through this and, and, and showing, like, for instance, that not only was women not supposed to dress in men's apparel, but that you were not supposed to mingle your thread and a garment with diverse kinds of threads. You couldn't mix wool and linen. Nobody ever preached against that. You couldn't eat pork chops or bacon or anything. You couldn't eat a catfish or shrimp or any bottom feeders. That There was diverse kinds of foods and washings and uh, you couldn't even touch a pig skin, which means you couldn't even play football because it's made from a pig skin. Interestingly enough, I just started watching this new program on TV called Living Biblically, and the priest laughs at him when he says, you know, I'm going to try to live biblically. And uh, I hope they make this clear as they go on, but it really is quite entertaining because what this guy is trying to do is not live biblically. He's trying to live according to the law of the Old Testament. And so what happens is in this show is that he is living so biblically, he's following the letter of the law, and they start telling him, well, the, one of the things you're going to, you know, uh, he has a friend, for instance, who uh, he finds out is committing adultery. And so he goes to the, to the priest and said, should I uh, rat him out? Should I tell his wife? And when the priest says, well, according to the law, you know, you're supposed to stone him. And this just so happens that this guy comes in a restaurant with his new mistress, and this guy sees him, he goes over and confronts him, and the guy doesn't seem to repent, so he picks up a rock from one of the decorative uh, uh, gardens there and hits the guy in the head with a rock. He's going to stone him. Well, that's law. That's under the law. Uh, he t talks about it in another place. Uh, you know, he's talking about mingling thread in a garment. In other words, what it's doing is showing you the utter futility and possibility of living life under every letter of the law. And see, what the whole book of Hebrews is about is transitioning out from underneath of the letter that kills and moving into the spirit that gives life. Now, I'm not saying it's all right to commit adultery or to kill or to steal. I'm saying God will write His law on your hearts. But, but living according to the old covenant is, first of all, nobody did it under the old covenant, not even Moses who was the mediator of that covenant, made it in by the works of the law because the purpose of the law was to conclude all under sin so he could have mercy on all. And so I began to bring these laws into this play that I had written. And uh, so I was bringing stuff that I knew everybody in this room was guilty of. 
uh, you know, I, I talked about everything from how far you traveled on the Sabbath day to kindling a fire on the Sabbath. I mean, listen, there are so many violations. If we're looking at the letter of the law, that the end of the law is what Romans 3 says. There's none righteous, no, not even one. And so by the time that uh, in this play, my adversary, the devil, had brought so many legislative uh, rulings against my client, John Doe, that it looks like he's guilty from the word go, but a holy hush fell over that youth camp because everybody in this room knows it's not only John Doe that's guilty, we're all guilty based on the law of Moses. And so when I got up to, uh, so when, when, when the adversary in my play said, I rest my case, I lifted my hand and I said, Father, may I approach the bench? And the father looks down and said, son, you ever live to litigate? I got up and I approached and I said, Your Honor, my client, John Doe, in Adam, may look like the one the prosecutor is prosecuting, but a simple DNA test, Your Honor, will prove that my client, John Doe, is not John Doe in Adam. My client is John Doe in Christ. That my client, John Doe, has been regenerated. I want you to hear how I said that. Regenerated. He's got a new genetic. He's got a new DNA. And a simple DNA test, Your Honor, will prove that my client is in Christ and not in Adam. And I said, secondly, Your Honor, I said, if you do find him guilty, I've already paid the death penalty, and I have a writ, a reprieve, a pardon signed in blood. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. That, 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 that absolutely declares my client not guilty. I was tried, hung, and crucified for the sin of this man, and he cannot be crucified, tried, or punished again for sin that's already been paid for. And so as I began to plead, I said, I would like to enter into evidence as Exhibit A, a baptismal certificate, and I'm going to show you where John Doe and Adam is buried in a watery grave, and he's dead, and my client is John Doe in Christ. That one that the enemy is prosecuting is dead, and his life is hid with Christ in God. And I said, Your Honor, if the glove does not fit, you must acquit. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and that moment, the gavel drops, and my, my brother who was playing God declared, John Doe in Christ has been declared not guilty by the highest court of the universe. There is no appeal. There is no court of appeals to this. This is a declaration that stands on the basis of the fact that he's the mediator of a new covenant, and in this new covenant, you have been declared not guilty, and you cannot be tried according to the laws of an antiquated covenant that is no longer in force. That's some good news. That is the good news. A lot of stuff we hear is not good news. We go to church and I wonder who these guys work for who throw the book at you every time you go through the church doors. And when I said when the, when the court was declared not guilty on the basis of the new covenant right of the death of Jesus for the remission of sin was given by one sacrifice forever sat down at the right hand of God expecting his enemies to make his footstool. That youth camp went crazy. When they unlocked the change from my client and he went to shout, I'm free, I'm free, 
Oh, praise the Lord, I'm free. That youth camp went crazy. It, I mean, they shouted. It, it was incredible. When I finally calmed that crowd down about 20 minutes later, I lifted my hand and I said, Father, may I approach the bench? He said, Son, you ever live to litigate, to make intercession. I approached the bench and I said, Your Honor, in the former court case, in the criminal case against my client, John Doe, you can put your name in there if you want because that's what it really is speaking of. In the case of Lynn Hiles, he was declared not guilty because of the blood of Jesus Christ it ought to purge our conscience to draw near to God because our sin and our reconciliation by a once for all sacrifice, my past, my present, and my future sin have been dealt with a long time ago in Christ. He's got you covered. That doesn't mean we should sin. Should we sin so that grace can abound? God forbid. How can we who are dead to sin live any longer in it? I'm not saying that to give you a license to sin. I'm just telling you so you've got a license to come into the presence of God and to receive your eternal redemption and inheritance because he's talking about a will here. So when I got into that segment, I said, Father, may I approach the bench? He said, you ever live to litigate? I said, Your Honor, in the criminal case, we proved that my client, John Doe, is in fact, through the DNA test, John Doe in Christ. He is in fact, Your Honor, himself's long lost son. You are his father. And we would like to enter into a civil case in the courtroom. We want to plead and enter into probate the will and testament. Because that's what Hebrews 9 is talking about. Somebody died and left you something. Man, if that don't make you shout on the other side of this ca camera, I don't know what will. And what's incredible to me is that we have the most incredible will that's ever been written in human history, and we've never read our copy of it. So we settle out of court. You see, the Old Testament was God's old will and testament. But then he had a son. And this son was such an incredible businessman that the father got richer. And since the father got richer, hallelujah, he, and, and he had so much fun with his first son. He said, I'm going to bring many sons into glory. So since he had a whole lot more sons and he got richer, he had to revise and rewrite the will, and he called it a New Testament, a new will and testament. Oh, get excited with me. Somebody died and left you something. But then the writer of Hebrews gets a hold of that and said, but without the death of the testator, the will is not effective because almost all things under the law are purged with blood. But what he goes on to say is without, without, there has to be a death first. So he came and wrapped himself in human flesh and died so you could get what's in the will. You could have the eternal inheritance that he's talking about here. See, inheritance, you know, a lot of places in the Scripture, like for instance, they would ask Jesus, what must we do to inherit eternal life? Well, that's an oxymoron. You don't do something to inherit something. You receive inheritance, but you don't do anything. Somebody else did it and gave it to you because of the death. Somebody died and left you something. And so I said, Your Honor, we want to enter into probate for the will and testament that you died and left, hallelujah, 
that Jesus came and wrapped himself in human flesh and died so we could get what's in the will. Every promise of the book is yes and amen in Christ. We can get what's in the will of God for our lives. But this is what I love because not only did he die so we could get it, but Hebrews 9 says he got back up from the dead to be the administrator of his own will to make sure you get what he said you could have. Now that's pretty powerful stuff right there. He not only died so you could get it, but he became the mediator of a better covenant to make sure you get what he said you could have. That's why I like to pray. And I can tell you this, that in the courtrooms of the United States, that the term prayer is used even at the closing of cases. They will say this, they will say, these things we pray the court. So when I pray, it's a legal motion that when I set in motion and I'm praying according to the will of God, and let's say I'm praying for healing, and I say, Lord, I want you to heal so-and-so then I, I, I'm praying for healing. Then, then something enters the doctrine of the heavens, and my attorney, Jesus Christ, picks it up and says, listen, there's a legal right and a legal precedence and a legal basis upon which my servant has prayed. Therefore, we're going to release, hallelujah, we're going to release what is his by inheritance to manifest in their lives. And when we pray, we pray the will of God, Jesus, our attorney, picks it up and it's released into our lives what he said we could have. Now, I think that's some powerful stuff right there. Man, I want to go a little further, but I'm not going to get it all said in this one, so I'm going to have to do one more. But I just really want us to get a hold of this today because I believe there are people right now, you need to receive healing. You need peace. See, one of the things he leaves in the way, he said, my peace I leave with you. If you read that in another translation, he said, my peace I bequeath unto you. It's in my copy of the will, and I'm going to take it to court. I hope you do. Your attorney's going to pick it up who's never lost a case. God, I believe that you want to prosper us. And sin, sickness, poverty, and death have all been things we've been redeemed from, and that God wants to bless us in the new covenant. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm going to take it to court. And my attorney's going to plead my case. And he's going to take hold of this thing, and we're going to receive the things which we've been promised. Listen, if you're listening to me today, I believe our faith ought to go to another dimension. And I just want you to receive today by faith. Father, in Jesus' name right now, I'm just asking you for somebody that's watching me right now. We take it, the requests and the prayers that are coming up before you right now as they watch these programs that you ever live to litigate. God, I pray that you break addiction off of people's lives who are struggling with addictions. God, that healing to bodies that are sick, prosperity, heal the family in America, Lord. Heal our homes. Bring peace to people who are troubled in their minds. I believe it was paid for in the will by the personal work of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. And listen, we're about to run out of time, but if you just take a moment, uh, to call that number on the screen. Uh, if you'd like to sow seed into the ministry to help us to stay on the air and to take the ministry and the gospel around the world, it's your partnership that, that enables us to do that. You can call the number on the screen, give via credit card. You can send a check, money order to the address that will come on the screen, or you can go to our website, and there's a link there where you can give via credit card or PayPal. Thank you for joining us. Join in again next week as our prayer. I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled, From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. 
In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules. It's about a relationship with a loving father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.